Welcome to Ready Comics Roll, where each week we discuss a topic that involves either video games, tabletop, comics, or all the other geeky things we all love. So if you enjoy what you're listening to, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster, an elegant weapon for a more civilized age. I'm Anthony. You will pay for your lack of vision. I'm Mike. And with us this week, once again... Yub yub, Commander, I'm Ash. If anybody gets that reference, I'll be immensely impressed. (laughs) We shall see. And of course, if we're going to talk Star Wars, especially Star Wars tech, what better way to do it than to have Ash of Skyhoppers joining us? Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk about Star Wars tech. It's like one of my top five favorite things in Star Wars. Yeah, it's uh, we we were actually supposed to do this a little bit sooner, but and that's one of the things we I want to quickly apologize for because as of recording this, we're actually out of Star Wars month. But you know what? We've we've made we the Star care. Wars year. <laughs> this Star Wars it's Star Wars forever. Uh, and yeah, so the past two weeks, unfortunately, I have not had a podcast, but we definitely wanted to kind of go out with a bang. So that's why we figured the best way to do this is to do Star Wars technology. Save the thing that was supposed to be in the middle of the month for the last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Sith happens. So yeah. Was, well, the great thing is, is one of the reasons why I think just about everybody really loves sci-fi, even as a genre, is the technology that we, we see. It's it's a look, a glimpse at the future and what could be if we were. Uh, on I mean, think path. about it. Think about it this way: forty years ago, is it forty? How old is Star Wars now? Forty-two. Oh, 42. So it was close. All right. It feels uh, a lot longer than it, that. It does. It feels like they celebrated the, the like 45th anniversary already, but they have not. Um, but over 40 years ago, we saw Roombas, and now we have them. <laughs> <laughs> a mouse droid basically is a Roomba, now that you think about it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly the tech I was hoping we'd actually have, but sure, we'll go with that. Listen, I'll we're take a mouse droid. There. There, we have to make these steps. Mouse droids become Roombas. Eventually, we'll have donk droids as our, you know, walking house disposal units or something. I don't know. I want a gonk droid also. I don't even know what a gonk droid does. All I know is I just want one. <laughs> I want all the droids. I wouldn't mind having an R2 unit. It would be nice to have, like, an astromech that's, like, your best friend. Yeah. I, I, w- I actually, as much as a C-3PO annoys me, I still want a C-3PO droid because I have a horrible time learning other languages. He'll save me. I need a translator droid just with me at all times. Well, he is fluent in over six billion forms of communication. I know, right? I'm just laughing if you get the sassy one that basically makes you sound like a dumbass. <laughs> it's like, a- well, that's C-3PO. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Is that not C-3PO? <laughs> I will still take Z3P. I, w- I was thinking more of like how HK does translations in a nice old Republic where he nearly gets you killed. <laughs> and calls you a meat bag the entire time. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact, fun fact, there's literally a poster on my wall right now that I may or may not have bought, ironically, that says beware HK47 on duty. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Death to the meat bags. Death to the meat bags. <laughs> but I mean, exactly. So when it comes to Star Wars, there's just, so much to even speak about it. It'd be hard to even fit it into a single episode. But you know, I'm going to go ahead and start off, I would have to say, with probably one of my favorite uh, pieces of technology. And you can't really mention Star Wars without mentioning this. And, of course, it's the lightsaber. Yeah, I Why mean, you're going to start with lightsaber? It's an Why appropriate not? place to start, right? Exactly. Fair enough. It, it, it is probably one of the most iconic things that we see in, in the in the original trilogy. It is probably one of the most iconic things throughout all of Star Wars history. Here, here's a question for you guys. Do you think Star Wars would be as iconic as it is if we didn't have the lightsaber? Um, oh, no, that's sound. Just the first time you hear a lightsaber, lightsaber igniting yeah. is like... I'm in on this. Whatever this is, I'm in on it. I, I think it probably still would. Let's say they only had vibra swords instead of lightsabers. I still think it would be close to as iconic because they're still space wizards. I mean, I mean, yes, they still, still have space wizards. And Dune was very popular, so, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it was, if, if it's the space wizards or the laser swords that make it more, the Jedi more cool, you know? Like, it's one thing to have magic powers, but it's another thing to have a laser sword. Like, come on. Well, la- laser swords definitely add a level of coolness to just about anything. I mean, the, when you had the, the Mandalorians with the, the Black Blade, that made Like, Mandalorians are already badass and, like, awesome to begin with. You give them the Black Blade, it's just like... <gasps> Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Sorry, I'm shaking my head at Anthony. It's true. <laughs> anytime, anytime Mandalorians come up as a, a, a as 
part of a discussion, I have to shake my head. I am I am psyched about Mandalorian coming out. However, I have never been on the hype train of Mandalorians nearly as much as most other people. I was not on the hype train for Mandalorians because I grew up in the firmly in the Clone Wars era of Star Wars where Mandalorians weren't cool except for Death Watch in the Clone Wars. Um, and then I watched Star Wars Rebels and I was like, oh, I get it. I understand now. <laughs> See, I, I, for me, my first introduction, introduction to a Mandalorian was Boba Fett. And the way that Boba Fett dies is not exactly the most ceremonious death. <laughs> I was going to say, I agree with you about Boba Fett. I've never caught on to the hype train about him. Like, I want to find out more, maybe. I've read, like, Bounty Hunter Wars and stuff in Legends, but he's never yeah. been one of those characters where, like, I was, I need more Boba Fett stuff. Because to me, he was the yeah. chump that got killed by Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> A blind Han Solo, of all things. Okay, but imagine if he had the Darksaber, which I'm actually going to call it by its proper name. I told you, like I said, the lightsabers make everything a million times better. Yes, they do, but I honestly, I still probably would not have cared much about Boba Fett. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, the number one reason why I think everybody loved him is he had the coolest helmet in Star Wars, and that's well, about yeah. it. Well, I always talk about Mandalorians in the sense that, like, Boba Fett is amazing because he created this entire, like, culture and history of uh, in Star Wars that people love based solely on the fact that he looks cool. You know, and honestly, if you like, I've gone back and I've rewatched the original Star Wars, and I look at the armor, and I'm like, the armor looks like crap. It is only the helmet that looks cool. He also had a jetpack. The jetpack, also, yeah. <laughs> Talking about sci-fi, jetpack self. What's the one thing everybody wants when in, in our current timeline that we see and use often used in sci-fi? Hoverboards and jetpacks. We, we want to fly, neither. man. <laughs> Yeah. We do. I'm still I'm still pissed that the year and date of uh, Back, Back to, to the Future, future has come and gone, and we still don't have real hoverboards. Well, that's because we're in the darkest timeline. I know. <laughs> Damn this darkest timeline, or the dumb. Not maybe not the darkest <laughs> timeline. Probably the dumbest timeline. <laughs> oh. I mean, when it comes to to lightsabers too, it's like they're so versatile. Not even just for combat use, but also just for utility. I mean. I can't. I can only imagine that some of the best locksmiths probably are Jedi. It's like, oh, I can't get past through this door. I gotcha. We Ooh. saw that in Episode One. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, the, but that's what I mean. So, like, how think about all the problems that you have in any situation? How easily they could be resolved with a lightsaber? It can cut through practically just about anything. Well, so the fact that the the the, the prequels. Uh, essentially canonized the fact that you can use a lightsaber as a giant door opener. Because, <laughs> um, honestly, that was one of the things that I, you know, I thought about when they were in the, the trash compactor in episode four. Mm -hmm. I was like, doesn't Luke have a lightsaber? No, didn't he have a no, lightsaber he didn't. At that point? So remember the lightsabers Obi-Wan had. Yeah. Obi-Wan right, yeah. had that. Now, if he had the lightsaber, there you go. Again, problem solved. <laughs> It, it is the skeleton key, among many other useful tools. <laughs> That's just a cool shot. That's like one of the best shots in the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the yeah. lightsaber cutting a hole. Even though it makes no sense, like, based on any kind of laws of physics that we have, but I don't care. No, it doesn't, because then you have to question, of course, the materials used to go ahead and create the, the lightsaber from the lenses to the crystals to the, the casing that it has. It's like if it to the actual burn, heat heat metrics of the beam, to it, yeah, there's yeah. just so much science. And at that, that, I don't think and at that point, it's like it's fake and it's in, in space. So you know, yeah, that's what you always have to remember. It's like you cannot apply you know actual logic to movies because then everything just unravels and everybody's sad. It's like my least favorite argument I've ever seen on the internet. Uh, you know that scene in Rogue One where they take off into hyperspace from atmosphere? Yes. Uh, when they're leaving Jeddah, I remember I saw a Reddit thread of people just like, that doesn't make any sense in the laws of physics. I'm like, hey guys, it's fake and in space. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, there's, there's other things that are just hilarious, even just like the, the hyper, the hyperspace railgun moment, which that just, again, just so many, so many flaws and logic, but made for a really cool scene. Just it did destroy well, okay. the entire and fleet. Honestly, right? honestly, there are reasonings to why it makes sense. There are reasonings to why it's not done often. Because again, she she piloted a capital ship, a giant capital ship, into a mobile space station, essentially, because that was a super star destroyer that she destroys with that. 
that's not the only thing. It was all the uh, other Star Destroyers and other ships along with it. It took, yeah. it took out the entire fleet. Yeah, well, it was it was one Super Star Destroyer, which was her main target, yes. and then the two smaller, regular Star Destroyers. Assuming everything just got kind of destroyed with the debris going in a million different directions, maybe. So one of the things that makes that kind of make sense is the fact that you're not gonna you're not going to typically have an unmanned capital ship. Nope. She was the last person on board, besides a few droids, more than likely. The telemetry that is needed to actually plan a hyperspace route, as well as to disable the safeties when you're aiming your ship at another ship. <laughs> I still say it should have been Admiral Akbar, and then he should have went on the comms and screamed, "It's a, it's trap! a trap!" as he shot himself through. You know, there's like a certain you, there's a million and a half people who complain about the Last Jedi, and like I'm not gonna like be the one to tell them that they're wrong because I agree with a lot of them. The one <laughs> thing that I didn't ever agree with was um. The the smile I had on my face when they were doing the holdo maneuver when she was about to like because you kind of slowly realize what's happening yes and you're like what's she gonna do what's she gonna- oh my god and it's just like this moment me as a Star Wars fan it's like how did I never think of this before and it's cool and it still makes me smile because it goes <laughs> against the Space Geneva Convention <laughs> honestly. Honestly, that is my that is my least argued point of the entirety of that movie. No, I love that scene. I think that's I think one of the best things that happens e- in that entire even movie. Even if you didn't like The Last Jedi, just seeing the again the railgun shot of, of the hyperspace railgun shot is still just a cool moment. Especially because they the, the the choice of having no sound. Oh yeah. Like everything just went silent on that scene. Because it's space. The gravity. In oh. space, no one can hear you scream. Okay, and then explain the other times where you hear the explosions of the Death Star and everything else. Exactly. I think it was more of an artistic choice, not a, exactly. like a and, let's be scientific was, with this choice. Exactly, exactly. And it, the, in, in my opinion, that, from a cinematic uh, standpoint, it was genius. It was, no, it it was, was. master class. Like, it was such a great scene. But yeah, no, the thing that actually killed Last Jedi for me was most of the character moments and the weird, uh, uh, like, uh, I, I like to call it the love rumbus. Oh, God. <laughs> You know we we've had this episode we've had this episode already, but uh, so lightsabers yes are great, but I, what I think is also really interesting is they've come up with an answer. It's like okay, how do you come? How do you battle against a lightsaber? How do you take on something with that kind of level of destructive force? Well, after episode one, you don't. We have, <laughs> Unless well, you have another lightsaber. Well, see, that's the thing is, I'm really sad that we didn't see vibro swords more often. I believe the answer is uh, is another sword, uh, and there's actually a reason we haven't seen vibro swords. Um, George Lucas doesn't like them. Oh, of course he doesn't like them. Well, he's like, no, I like lightsabers. Lightsabers are supposed to be the best. Yeah. Honestly, there there were there was other reasonings for that. Uh, a lot of it was okay. Most of the idea of vibro swords came from old Republic kind of thing, like old technology. We're talking about stuff that hasn't been used in. Like an eon at this well, point, well, and Han, and Han. Um, God, I forget his name. Vision, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Bettany, is it? Paul yeah, Bettany. Paul Bettany. Yeah, he he had two vibroblades. The the little two daggers, the punch daggers he had. Oh, yeah, uh, Dry, I mean, Dry, uh, Dryden Voss. Right, that's it. Yes, Dryden I don't Voss. even like Solo. How do I know that? <laughs> See, that's the only reason why I don't remember. <laughs> but I do remember the fact that he had the two little punch dagger um, vibroblades. Were they actually? Vibro I don't blades? know if they were vibroblades. Or if they were just like vibroblade esque, but they may have been vibroblade blade esque. But the fact that like if you if you look at them and you look at the the you didn't have to go up against the, the lightsaber, so we yeah, don't know. We can't tell. Uh. <laughs> and again, I I don't think that, and this is something that I with the way that technology has moved through Star Wars, I don't think vibroblades are a apt competition for lightsabers at this point in time. Because I think lightsaber technology has actually improved. Melee combat you don't see nearly as often. Uh, just like in real world, more often than not, people are going to go with range combat, whether it be blasters or, yeah. in our case, so automatic weapons. Because um, it's it's actually, uh, it's one of those things like, the reason why... You don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Well, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight, <laughs> but also, if you bring a knife to a gunfight, you need, the, you, need, you need the knife that can deflect bullets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, um, that's true. But... There's a few things that we've never seen happen in Star Wars that I've always I've always had this like weird thought process in the back of my mind with like you never see a blaster uh, a bowcaster bolt get deflected by a lightsaber. 
I don't think anybody's been ballsy enough to try. <laughs> it's like I, th- I think the recoil, even bouncing that thing off, would at least send you back a little bit. I think the bowcaster is one of those weapons where it's like, okay, we're not gonna go up against the lightsaber because we've got like maybe one or two shots with this. Because I'm assuming like the recoil and the time it takes to fire off multiple shots with that thing is not enough to be like, I'm gonna go against the dude with a laser sword. And also, you have to be like really. You have to be kind of like a bigger guy, like a Wookiee, to use a bowcaster, right? Well, Han used it. That's a good point. Yeah, he's well, he, but he braced himself, and even then, yeah, you can see he's like, I like this. There, thing there's a little bit of kickback. The fact, the, the why most, haven't I done this before? <laughs> the most unbelievable thing in the Force Awakens is that Han has never fired Chewie's bowcaster before that moment. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's actually, I'm gonna go ahead and ask you this because unfortunately, I, I probably should have done more research in regards to the bowcaster because that is probably one of my favorite blasters. Um, is it plasma based like a lot of the other blasters? It, or? it actually has a. Then this is one of the reasons why I brought that up is because in the in I want to say I have the. I have is the it legends list. or new canon? Um, it's it's Could legends, but I think it was also explained in new canon. I haven't read the prequel books, but there there's a point where uh, in the new canon or in the legends canon, they had explained that the bowcaster actually carries a physical rod in it in the in the bolt that actually is what propels the energy forward. oh so it's a real gun yeah oh kind nice of. so that that would be a lot harder to deflect because uh, i think it goes because there's there's a whole like i want to say um what what the measurement of raw force is i'm trying to remember what it is. anyways yes yeah, so the amount of pure force again no pun intended yeah. of that bolt it goes back to what we said before i think it would be really hard to deflect that or if you could that, that Jedi still kind of get knocked on their ass, more than likely. Honestly, the scariest thing in the entire Star Wars universe is Chewbacca. <laughs> yes, obviously. Chewbacca is the only one to get a decent shot at Kylo Ren so far. True. It's That's you a didn't lie. See it Wait, Ray. Ray, never mind. No, did Ray... It has been a minute since I've seen TFA, and it kind of shows. No, she, right. she wasn't able to shoot him, but she sure as hell was able to slash his face. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Even Chewie, like, got him. Like, really got yeah, him. Yeah, Chewie shot him. <laughs> Yeah, because Poe Poe had the the rogue sneak attack that failed, where he fired off a, a good shot, and then Kylo Ren just turned around. And he's like, "Nope, I'm gonna catch it near." Mm-hmm. Chewie, the more like the one good thing that Solo did, I really don't like Solo, by the way, is like it just reminded me how much I love Chewbacca mm-hmm. and how yes. Chewbacca is like one of the best things about Star Wars. Yeah, God, I love Chewie. Um, R.I.P. Peter. Yeah. The bowcaster though has always been one of those weapons where it's like that's so cool, just as a concept. It's like it's a it's a crossbow in Star Wars. Well, see, that's the funny thing too. If you look at uh, some of the tech, is it really has this kind of medieval feel to it. Like the crossguard saber is a perfect example. That's that's more of even what they established in Rebels, an ancient kind of lightsaber design to have that crossguard. But no, absolutely, I agree with you, Ash. I think it's really cool how they they kind of borrow from uh, history. In that sense, I think I think the thing that's really cool about Star Wars is it had the design of Star Wars anyway is it has this like used future aesthetic. So like mm-hmm. all the blasters are all based off of like real guns. I could give you an entire history lesson on Han's blaster, which is a blaster I've made and replicated about seven times at this point, <laughs> and uh, it it gives it this kind of like realistic feel, but it's just different enough that it gives it that you know, that sci-fi spin on it. So, like, so like Han's blaster is based off of a gun called a C-96 Mauser broom handle, but it's got enough, like, quote-unquote space gack put on it that it, it looks like it belongs in that universe. And all the guns are like that. Like, the, the E-11 Stormtrooper blasters are all based off of, um, like, German machine guns and things like that. No, no, absolutely. That's actually what I wanted to ask you about, because you're right, it definitely looks a lot like the Mauser. I think a lot of uh, uh, war uh, history buffs... Uh, kind of picked up on that and probably appreciated that but so then on that in that same regard how do you feel about the origins of han's blaster in the movie han being that it was a specialized carbine rifle that could break down into oh that was so cool that was so cool like i said before i don't like solo that's one of the moments in it where i was like oh i love that i oh i love that so much there's a there's a few things and i and i have to say this about both uh star wars stories side stories uh rogue one and solo they they did a lot of expanding when it actually came to the lore even Mm -hmm. if the even if some of the character moments weren't as great as the original trilogy 
I still think that the the weight that was with a lot of the lore and the building of things like um, the uh, Millennium Falcon having a supercomputer in its memory banks, essentially, from the droid, and then it having, you know, this uh, other piece of the ship that's no longer attached to the ship when we see it in episodes 4, 5, and 6, and... Onward. Oh yes, yeah, so with the the front part that <clears throat> yeah. was originally there because it was a um, escape uh, escape pod. Yep, yeah. and then it ended up being gone. Yeah, and one of the dishes. I think also one of the dishes got yeah. torn off. We lost a dish. No more space cable. <laughs> well, actually, there there's two dishes gone from uh, it, when you get into uh, episode seven. Because Han lost one while flying when they were escaping the mouth of the thing in the when they were on the, the they landed in the asteroid the cave in the asteroid. Was name, I don't remember was the name of that creature. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. The giant asteroid worm. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> uh, the uh, the the not Dianoga Exogorth. Exogorth. There we go. There we go. I only know that because Skyhoppers had a book club podcast for a long time, and I called uh, them uh, the listeners' space exogorths. The <laughs> nice. book exogorths, like a bookworm. So. Gotcha. Clever. See? See, I knew it was a giant space worm. <laughs> but, I mean, that kind of brings up the point, too. So we have we have blasters. You know, obviously, melee is not going to be the answer unless you're a Jedi with a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we see, again, in, you know... Especially heavily introduced in Knights of the Republic, Knights of the Republic Two, is personal shielding. I'm surprised we don't see that nearly as often. Well, and I, again, I'm, I'm going to go with the whole. Lot. See, this is the theme where I question why something's not there, and then Mike and, and Ash answer. Yeah, I, what I was getting at is it's it's part of lost technology. So you you have things that have adapted over the years, and with the the adaption of better technology for things like lightsabers. Things like personal shielding has gone to the wayside because it's not as nearly useful as it used to be. Or it has been forgotten and lost to time because, again, KOTOR was an eon ago. And where we're at now, so many things have changed. There have been wars. There have been, you know, lo- like planets have been lost to time in, in, in this. So technology is one of those things that's going to go to the sideways as well. Um, I think the other thing might be because KOTOR and KOTOR 2 are video games and that's inherently more of like a video game-esque kind of yeah. ability or power that might have something to do with it. I was trying to I was trying to give it some history too. <laughs> well, no, there's, there's some history too because it is also featured in Legends, but it, it, the problem being is the technology was rare. What, also, wasn't there a – I'm trying to remember if – I, I, I thought I saw it on – it was either Clone Wars or Rebels or maybe it was even Resistance. Uh, there was somebody who still had like a personal shield belt buckle kind yep. of thing that took like a, bl- a single blaster bolt and then like ended up turning off or whatever. Yes. I mean that's that's the way they were designed. They weren't meant to take sustained fire. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like uh, You would think that at least as far as, again, when you're considering war, when you're considering combat – it would figure out a way to kind of rep, or maybe it, it just the production was just too expensive. The materials needed to make yeah. it functional maybe was just too great. Which you know, it's just again like real war. You would, when it comes to like protective gear, you know, you have to consider how much uh, money and materials, or even just the ease of production, something might be. That may be the reason why. But I'm surprised maybe not more bounty hunters or certain other like uh, smuggler scoundrels. Somebody else they could probably find and steal something like that would have it more on their person. Well, and you, we've seen different types of shielding throughout the movies and stuff. Like, uh, deflector shields is the easy thing to bring up because the ships, obviously, most of them survive more than one shot, with <laughs> the exception of TIE fighters. Because uh, <laughs> why why have deflector shields when you could just mass-produce TIE well, fighters? Well, the reason why is because they have giant solar panels on the side and they're not flying close enough to suns to go ahead and charge up the shields. That's not, that's not sorry. But uh, you have things like, uh, from episode one... The Gungans had their water shields. You yes. had the because um, those dispersed kinetic uh, energy. Yes, and among then other you, things. And then you had the um, I forget what the uh, the tech army was called, but oh, you're talking about the um, the droid what? army. Yeah, the droid army had their shields on the the, the big crawl, not the crawler things, the, the their uh, tanks, essentially. Well, not just the tanks, but also the, uh, wow, we're forgetting all the They actually had, like, shield generator things 
on treads, and I don't remember we what they were. We use nothing but the most technical terms. Here I know, right? Oh role. my god! This is this is what happens when we do this episode after I had researched it two weeks ago, and then have not researched it this past week. Because <laughs> my me- my short term memory is very short term. <laughs> Now, for for certain personal shields like the Mandalorian and the Achani shields, I can kind of understand because those were more melee based. And again, we already talked about how melee has gone more. Well, to also, the- you're you're uh, talking about a race that doesn't exist, uh, primarily doesn't exist anymore. The Achani are gone. No, in, yes, in, they in are. Canon. They are. Um, the Mandalorians are few and far between, and their shields were even still more kinetic energy based than. Um, like, you know, deflecting blaster bolts. That was still a, more of a thing that they used when they were, you know, using melee weapons at the time. So it's, it's less of a, it's more of a redundancy factor over their armor because their armor is already based on defending themselves from kinetic energy. Yeah, and I so. guess most of the priority too would go to deflector shields on ships because there's going to be a lot more loss of life and that's yeah. where they want to really put their priority. Because, I mean, that's pretty much what they used to try and save the second Death Star, but we all saw how that turned out. Ooh. Well, ground ground battles are one thing in Star Wars. And they're, they're, when you actually look at it, ground battles happen less often than space battles. Yep. So the, like, deflector dishes on ships have gotten bigger and more powerful over time, but less utilized on the ground, obviously. Absolutely, but you know what? that's a good point. We could definitely talk about starships, but before before we really get into to the meat of that discussion, I, I do want to pose a question to, of course, the the listeners as well as everybody you know here. If you had to choose a single starship, like your favorite starship, what would it be? Oh, you're going to make us choose one. You're yes, an yes, yes. Because I, I'm like one from each class is what I was thinking. Oh, when I know, you I know you are. Oh, we'll, we'll go with you first, Ash. That's very easy. It's the ghost from Star Wars Rebels. I, I knew it was going to happen. I was not. I was not actually anticipating that being brought up. No, the the ghost. I mean, man, that that brings back like a, a lot of feels too, though, because it, it, the the ghost is, in my opinion, very reminiscent of the the Ebonhawk too. It's a little bit, yeah. I can tell you what my least favorite ship is: the Slave One. I still hate that thing to this day. You just hate anything that involves Mandalorians. No, I just hate anything that involves Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> Slave One is like it's ridiculous, and then you see an attack of the clones, like how they get into it. Yeah, you and know? then you're like, like, how, like why? <laughs> it's like how they're like that's like okay, so this is how how you have to sit in your ship when it's landed. No thanks, <laughs> hard pass. Oh, it's like the most uncomfortable design ship of all time. Like the ghost is is the ship that I like. I have a lot of nostalgic attachment to it because I adore Rebels. Like, Rebels is one of my favorite things in Star Wars. And I think that has a lot to do with it. But I think design-wise, it also looks great. No, no, I completely agree. And I can, I can definitely see your point. Uh, that's always the funny thing to me is is you, when you look at media outside of the current movies, the original movies, prequel movies, all those, uh, sometimes you find stuff that is honestly better from a storytelling standpoint or just different aspects of it, even with lore, than the movies themselves. Like, I would still make that argument about, you know, Nice Little Republic, in my opinion, having a better story than much of what the current movies are. But, no, Rebels too. My, my favorite Star Wars stuff is the Battlefront Two story campaign and the book Inferno Squad and Rebels. I'm actually really surprised how well that that turned out because uh, at least as far as gameplay was concerned, it was kind of iffy. I liked the concept of the Inferno Squad, seeing them from the trailer, but then actually kind of going through that story. No, absolutely, that was that was a a, a surprise to be sure, certain, but a welcome one. Yes, there you go. Uh-oh. But no, exactly the point. Just, just that was just something I think kind of blindsided a lot of people. And if they would have put more emphasis on the story, as far as marketing is concerned, I think the game itself would have sold a lot better too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like that, that's, yeah, that was my only problem with it. I, yeah, I also like the Corvus, the ship from that game as well, for obvious reasons. But yeah, the ghost is definitely my, my one and only in terms of Star Wars ships. No, that, that's, makes perfect sense. But so Mike, you gave us, the one you dislike most. <laughs> you got. I, we got to hear what's your favorite. I kind of have an idea of what it, it's going to be. So I have to go with the Executor Star Destroyer, Super Star Destroyer. I like Star Destroyers. I if you're going to make me choose an actual like singular ship, yeah, it's going to be the Executor. It's either the Executor or the in, in Interdictor. Those are the top two for me. 
Now, if you were going to say Starfighters, that's where things get fucking complicated. Because <laughs> I have a hard time. I hate, I hate the Rebels, but I have to say one of my favorite ships of all times was the A-Wing. You motherfucker. <laughs> okay, well, I guess that just gives away mine. That frail little A-Wing that tries so hard. And that frail little A-Wing. Yeah, it just tries so hard. But honestly... That like, if you breathe on it wrong, it gets shot out of the sky. <laughs> But I, I love I love the like the interceptor like type Tie Fighters and stuff the 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 actual like good Tie Fighter piloted Tie Fighters. Well, the, I think the, the Tie Fighters were just the A wings of the Imperials. The the base ones, yeah. <laughs> but so again, you kind of already ruined the, my, my uh, choice to say what mine is. Cause... See, you said Starship, not Starfighter. See, that's why I had to switch. But I was thinking Starfighter in my head. I, I I have to go with the A-Wing. Yes, yes, okay, it, it's frail and fragile, but, um, which was dumb. I hate him for that. Because it, it is so quick, it, it is great for precision strikes. It is great for precision ops, because... It doesn't have a hyperdrive, though, which is a big... It's, yeah. a, it, it's a sand speeder that can go in space. Yeah. I mean, I like it, but it is a sand speeder that can go in space. But, but it can hit hard and it can hit fast. It's a, there's a reason why they still use it among their fleet and whatever. I hate, I hate I hated X wings, so <laughs> there's that. See, my fa- my favorite starfighter is absolutely the B wing. So I don't know if my opinion means literally anything, but <laughs> it's because I had a B wing toy as a kid. It's not like I think they're cool. It's because there's nostalgia. <laughs> Honestly, I I absolutely love the snow speeders. I those thought those were, awesome. were the coolest thing because yeah. I had that toy when I was a kid, and I also had an A wing toy and that, an X wing. That's almost kind of <laughs> given, though. It's like you, everybody, everybody pretty much loves the snow speeders, and everybody pretty much loves the X wings. No, I, I hated should probably. I, I should probably say my favorite ship is a Skyhopper, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can be hashtag on brand. The yeah. the, the transport ships, yeah, those are great. <laughs> Too bad they they have like the smallest laser cannons of all time. Well, my my favorite then is the speeder bike. <laughs> uh, the death traps, you mean? <laughs> as as much as I've talked about like the ghosts and B wings and stuff, the, the Star Wars ship I am actually getting a tattoo of is a Skyhopper. It's not because of the ship; it's because my podcast is called the Skyhoppers Podcast. <laughs> oh no, we know, we know, we, and we we want you to go ahead and mention every time we have an opportunity. So like you like like you said, it's, you're going to be totally on brand. Now you're actually going to be branding yourself with your brand. Exactly to celebrate three years of doing the show, which is which is nuts. But congratulations, by the way. Yeah, we we hope to last that long. <laughs> we, I would like to just have a year's worth of episodes in a year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's been over a year, and we still don't have a year's worth. No, of we have a, we have a year's worth. Of, we're past seventy two, which would be one week every uh, 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 one episode every week for an entire year, but. <laughs> I would like to do that within one year. That would be great. Right, but you mentioned you mentioned Star Destroyers, but then we gotta we gotta talk about like the real powerhouse ships, being of course you know the Death Star and Star Killer Base. Okay, those again yeah. are stations. Not, those yes, are stations. stations. Yes, if we want to be technical. But my point is, we're talking about uh, that was that was my clumsy transition into talking about them because again, we're talking about uh, tech. Almost nothing else has the kind of same destructive power as those two space stations. Those two different forms of technology. Well, okay. So Star Starkiller Base was ridiculously overpowered, and the well, it siphoned the power from other nearby planets. Stars, stars. Yes, sorry. Yeah, that's the reason for Starkiller. <laughs> yep. And as, as uh, Ash pointed out before we started this podcast, more like also pay paid homage to the original last name of Luke Skywalker. Yes. Yeah. I have to say this: Star Destroyers are also capable of taking out a solar system because they can destroy a, a star. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's the, I, you had me there for a moment. I, it, like, this okay, is the well, thing that's yes, always yes, dr- yes. driven me crazy about, like, and I understand that they don't go, that you never see it in the in the movies and they've never shown it in any of the shows. Space Geneva Convention. <laughs> but, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, the Empire did that to begin the the actual reign of the Empire. That was one of the things that they were like, "We have these ships for a reason." That never. That's that, how they got the tight the name Star Destroyer. That never happened. <laughs> that never happened. That's, yeah, that's, not, that's, that's in, rebel. In that's, re, that's, that's rebel propaganda. 
Why am I the one spouting the Imperial joke line? That's supposed to be your job. <laughs> John's not Rebel here. propaganda. I'm, 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 I'm on, I'm on, I'm picking up the No, I will, I will totally take credit for destroying a solar system. I'm that kind of guy. I'm literally wearing a signet ring that has a Rebel Alliance logo on it right now. Oh, yeah. Just want to, like, throw that out there. <laughs> well, oh, I am Rebel Scum and proud of it. Yes, finally it's two against one <laughs> in, the, in the favor of Rebels instead of uh, Imperials, you bastards. Dirty terrorists. <laughs> I'm looking at you with like such eye daggers that I'm surprised you're still breathing. <laughs> but no, seriously though, look, look, look at something, just, something, something, something dark. <laughs> uh, look at look at Rogue One. So Rogue One, I mean that that for, besides being probably one of the the best uh, of the movies outside of you know the originals, or it's definitely one. the best side story. Yes, no, it's not competing what against I, much, but question. there we go. <laughs> Well, again, I would even say it in itself is even better than some of the other movies. It is the best prequel. I will give you that. It is the best prequel film. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we actually get to see even... Because uh, at that point... Now, the technology between Death Star 1 and Death Star 2 has vastly in- increased as far as its capabilities. So the original Death Star took nearly, I want to say, I think it was tw- they said it was about 24 hours to be able to fully charge up to be able to have the destructive force to be able to blow up a planet. We only see it... Now, I don't remember, and Ash, of course, you're more welcome to jump in and just tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> uh, with Rogue One, I don't think they even hit that planet with a fully charged blast. They did not. And it still pretty much wiped out almost the entire planet. Yeah, they hit Jeddah with like a like a 25% of the Death Star's... Wow, power. I didn't think it was that low. And 25%. Scarif, and Scarif is a little bit higher than that. But they never went a full reactor blast on the Death Star. Or the, the, only, the, the, only, the only planet got hit by the a full Star. blast of the Death Star was Alderaan. Yes. I almost feel like Poor making... Poor Alderaan. I feel like making an Alderaan pun, but... No. Hey, Leia, are you going home after this? Aww. <laughs> terrible. I am terrible. R.I.P. Bail Organa, you were the best of them. Go listen to the Skyhoppers podcast if you want an inordinate amount of yelling about Bail Organa. Um, <laughs> they did him dirty. They did. They did him Gosh. so dirty. We, wa- we were talking about Jyn Erso this week on the show, and still I s- somehow managed to get in like a five-minute tangent about Bail Organa. <laughs> he would trust her with his life! Um, <laughs> Again, what I was mentioning about the difference in technology, so with the original Death Star 2... You know, you had that that's the two meter exhaust port, which if you think about the thing, it's a huge ship. I, that's why I really appreciate the one animated uh, skit joke making fun of that, where you actually see the engineer who somehow survived because he wasn't actually on the Death Star at the time, where he's defending his design. He's like, do you know how much energy and exhaust a beam that can blow up a planet comes up with you're lucky it's only two meters and only in one spot <laughs> because again you go back to the science and logic of things and you have to but they, I, I do appreciate as much as i hate you know the empire that they learn from their mistakes so instead of having just the one two meter uh exhaust port throughout the entire space station and like they they had meters uh not meters they had uh, ex- numerous exhaust ports throughout the entire station that was probably no bigger than a dinner plate so you you weren't firing nothing in there. <laughs> well, I kind of this wasn't necessarily a plot hole that needed to be filled, but I did appreciate how Rogue One went. Yeah, it was intentionally supposed to be this stupid. Yes. Because Galen or so made it that way. Yeah. Yes, because the canon ended up being that he was the one that was heavily involved in the design of the Death Star. Yeah, and he purposely put that fault in there. Um which I kind of like better than them just having like an exhaust port. That goes straight to the reactor core, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, I, I like that. Like, it, it feels more traditionally Star Wars to me. I love that it's like a father's love for his daughter that makes it so that the galaxy can survive. That just feels very, like, good and hopeful and all the good, st- the good Star Wars messages. It, it just kills me that because of that movie, and then also Han Solo, or Solo, we now have more prequels than we do <laughs> original movies. But you know what? That what what Ash just said again just further exemplifies what I mentioned about it being such a fantastic film. Because at least like a lot of what's given to us 
has a much greater impact. It doesn't feel like it was kind of just slapped on there for the sake of. I still want to see Rogue too because I want to watch many both ends die. No, the Womp Rats are on another planet. <laughs> screw, screw the Bothans. I hate them. That's the whole point of watching many of them die. Because <laughs> I read Rogue Squadron, and Borsk Feila can go fall off a pit. There's my, there's, my, there's Ash's Legends tangent of the day. <laughs> the Bothans are a bunch of entitled jerks who deserved it. <laughs> that, that is your, your plasma take. Yep. <laughs> Again, when we're talking about technology, we'd love to see the one, uh, one thing that always gets me, and this is true of Mass Effect and just a lot of other sci-fi, is they always come up with some kind of organic substance that is just a cure-all. You have a huge gaping wound in your chest. It's cool. Just go ahead and instead of saying slap some dirt on it like we would now, it's like mm, rub some back on yeah, it. Yeah. Or or in, the, in like Mass Effect meta gel, but you always have some kind of substance that can kind of just take care of anything that just about ails you or can kind of heal. That, that's kind been of a wound. sci-fi trope though for a long time, and, not, no, and it, also a video game. It's, trope it's not. A, it's, it's not a complaint. I love it. Yeah. And I just and then um, the fact that the greatest uh, source of it is actually from Manon, mm. which is. Uh, you get to see again in Nice Old Republic because you're going to always see me re- re- make some kind of reference to Nice Old Republic. But, uh, yeah, like, if you imagine if we had that in the real world, for starters, I probably wouldn't have a, a, a medical bill that's, like, close to about $8,000. <laughs> or maybe I would, depending on the government that's overseeing the Bacta, but still. The idea of Bacta, I think, is really cool. I also like how in the X-Wing books they did, like, the Bacta War stuff and they established that it's, like, this precious, coveted resource yeah, but it's just like a traditional like sci-fi thing, I think. You know, they just here's the magic gel. It's it's so they can have a cool shot of Luke in the in the tank and I almost said Return of the Jedi Empire Strikes Back because they like they knock him out of commission. And it's a cool shot. It's like a cool VFX shot to have Luke like chilling in the tank. Suspended. <laughs> you you had a uh... Mike miming the motion of him being in the tank. Just kind of floating there. No, it's true. And then it's, it's well, I mean, again, even Dragon Ball Z had those moments where you had Goku and then pretty much the same thing. Almost mirroring the whole, actually, probably, I think it would be the other way around. If I'm trying to remember my timelines right. I'm trying to remember how far back. Just, re- just remember, in, in X-Men, they had Wolverine floating in the opposite of back to tank so that they could actually do things to him before he healed. <laughs> True. They had to disable they it. Had, in the X-Men, we have a counter back to tank. <laughs> it's the nega back to tank. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the the healthcare of space and a galaxy far, 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 A long far, time ago, no far, less. Yeah, a long, far, time, a long ago. time ago, far, far away. One long, two fars. Always remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things like, yes, you needed, you needed a cure-all for... Luke being out of commission. You needed a cure-all for Han surviving being frozen in carbonite. You needed a way for Luke to regain a hand. You know, oh, they, you had all these he didn't regain a hand, but I do want to bring that up. I actually think it's fantastic that they handle, you know, how the way they they handle a lot of different disabilities and how they, they make up for that, such as the prosthetics. Prosthetics in uh, the Star Wars universe are, are just... Uh, we're actually, from what I understand, I really wish I remember what university is working on it, but they're very close to making one similar to. Well, there's, 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 um, is it? I think it's, I think it's Michigan University's working with um, the guys from um, uh, Deus Ex to do prosthetics, and they're making like Deus Ex looking prosthetics. Um, I think it's really cool. Star Wars across the board has kind of done a better job of this. I'm not a super big fan of like how they portray disability in Star Wars. Um, because oftentimes it's like your pros- your prosthetic is like an indication of how evil you are or whatever. Like you've lost your touch with humanity because you have a robot hand, Luke. Um, and that's like, it's the 80s and they weren't super conscious of ableism and disability at that point. So I'll give them a pass on that. The one, the one that I was like really blown away by was in a book called Leia Princess of Alderaan, which is a new canon book where they show Leia's uh, adoptive mother, Brea Organa, has like a prosthetic heart, not a prosthetic, I guess, an artificial heart and lungs and stuff. And she has like these mechanisms keeping her alive. And it's just like a part of her life because for a lot of us with disabilities, it's like, that's how, it works. Some of us, like me, we have to wear hearing amplifiers, and others have prosthetic legs or wheelchairs or whatever, and it's just kind of a fact of life. And Yeah, if I can get rid of all of my colon and intestines for, like, robotic equivalents, I'd be super happy. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> I think my life would be a lot easier. Yeah. But yeah, like prosthetics are something that's really cool in Star Wars. And there's like, there's this, this idea where there's like artificial eyes and stuff like that. And it just in like a, like a wish fulfillment sense, it's just really cool. Cause it's like, I'd like artificial ears one day. That'd be nice. There was, there's a Legends book that has a Twilight with a prosthetic head tail. And I'm like, is that necessary? <laughs> I guess yeah, actually, actually, fun fact, Twi'leks communicate uh, to each other via oh, their right. head tails. Right. So, yeah. Come on, man. I forgot about that. Even I, I knew that. Uh-huh. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There's my one um actually moment of the day. That's all I got. I know a lot about Leku, Twi'lek head tails. Like, that's... <laughs> that being said, I think one of, the, one of the last things we'll kind of discuss, which is also a huge thing, again, also a trope often used in sci-fi, is bioengineering. And just the application that we see throughout the, the Star Wars franchise, and even just a uh, expanded universe, so to speak. Uh, such as one thing... Everybody's that- a Cylon. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> one, I had to. <laughs> one of the things that actually I found interesting in doing a little bit more research about it is... Uh, I, I pr- Forgive me for mispronouncing the name of this race, but the... Uh, I want to say it's the uh, Causians, or it's, it's C-O-S-I-A-N-S. I think it's Causians, or so, something similar to that. But they're a race that we see, and actually one of them is a, a, a fairly high-ranked Jedi in the Clone Wars series, but they became almost extinct until a bunch of bioengineers created the new Causians uh, that we actually see uh, a few, if you're paying attention to the background, on Jakku in... Uh, the Force Awakens. And just the application of bioengineering... Oh, you wanted me to pay attention to that movie? Yeah. Because I was just on a nostalgia trip that entire movie. God. Ooh. I feel like I'm one of the only people that pays it. Well, besides Ash, too, of course. But, but uh, I was about to say, don't throw detail. me under that bus. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. Yeah, yeah, I know you also appreciate like the finer details that are going on in the background of a lot of things. I uh, did until they made Last Jedi. And then I gave up. Oh, God. <laughs> But without bioengineering, we would not have you no know, clones. We wouldn't have clone troopers, yeah. clone wars, a whole lot of other things. Yeah, like that. in a world without Captain Rex is a world that I don't want to live in. So fair enough, fair Indeed. enough. Indeed. Although, although to me it seems like we've completely forgotten about clones in in the modern era. Now everything is just uh, we're just going to hire some people or kidnap some babies. That's what we do now. That's how the empire functions, apparently. Well, I would really like one day for a book or something to explain why they don't go with clones. I mean, they make that reference in TFA. That's like maybe I should have gone with a clone army. Like Ren says, I think Kylo Ren says the Hux again. It's been a minute since I've seen TFA, and uh, they never really like explain why that they they don't do that. Because maybe the clones are just too expensive. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, that seems to be a constant wartime theme is cost. But Hux basically says, my men are great, and that's his explanation for it. So I don't know what, why, like, why they would go in that direction other than, I guess, cause kidnapping kids is free. Yeah. Yeah. You kidnap them, you brainwash them, you train them, you're good to go. Uh huh. That's a horrifying sentence, but yeah. And honestly, I'm still I'm still going with the fact that Finn is actually the savior of the universe, and it's not. It, it, it's just a huge like side trip that we I, have. You know, we, we said in a previous cast. Now I'm going to just briefly bring it up. I am still very disappointed in the fact that they hinted at his force sensitivity pretty heavy in the first film, and I almost feel like they're they're not going anywhere with that. It was just a red herring. Oh, well, absolutely you, not. And this is the thing: you also have to look at the fact that Force Awakens was directed by one person. Last Jedi was, directed, Jedi was by directed by somebody else that obviously was not paying attention to what the first person did. And it was just like, oh, I can do whatever I want. It's my playground. I get to play in Star Wars. Yay! Well, it's going back to J.J. Abrams in the third. That's yes. why I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. But J.J. Abrams is like, fuck it for the third movie, so I don't know how this is going to work out. Yeesh. I-, I want it to be good. I want J.J. Abrams to care. And to do what he did with The Force Awakens, but better. I was telling, I was talking to Anthony before um, this episode. I was, ba- I basically have reached the point with the sequel trilogy where I don't care anymore. I'm just like this I is probably not. Yeah, yeah, I need a new hope. Maybe the Game of Thrones guys won't disappoint me like they did with you know Game of Thrones. Maybe they'll make something that's good. Who knows? I, um, I'm kind of scared for that because if they are going to do the the Old Republic, I'm afraid they're just going to do space Game of Thrones. Dude, Which nobody that's wants fun. that. <laughs> it, it is and it isn't because I don't know if my heart can take getting 
attached to so many characters, characters and watching them all die again. <laughs> the red space wedding. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. The, the Sith send their regards. <laughs> oh my god. If they do that, I'm, I, I, I've I never walked out of a movie. I think that would be the point where I would actually just get up and be like, I wipe my hands in the foolishness. I made a joke on Skyhoppers a couple weeks ago. I was like, imagine if it's just the Game of Thrones cast, but in Star Wars... And they uh, that, play like slightly different versions of the characters. That, they play funny enough, I would not be so angry about because that would be interesting to see them pull, uh, pull that off. Uh, I think they would uh, all of them. Let Kit Harrington play XR Coon, and I'll be happy. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't mind looking at Kit Harrington and Nikolai Costawal though some more. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, oh. just I'm, I'm tired of seeing Sean Bean die. <laughs> I'm not. Sean Bean dies so good in so many movies. Goldeneye, still my, one of my favorite Sean See, Bean here, of all time. Here's how you subvert expectations or whatever they like to do over at Game of Thrones. You just have Sean Bean and like any time you think a character's gonna die, you think it's gonna be him, but he's the one person that makes it to the end. I would love that. That actually happened with, I think it was uh, either Black Plague or Black Death. It was a medieval film that you expected, like especially given the the, the, topic, the context and the, that yeah. he would definitely die. He survives that movie. <laughs> like, that's how you like. That's how you really subvert expectations. Well, he was also the good guy in that movie. Yeah. Like he was the he was the the triumphant hero by the end of that movie, kind of. But yeah, I think that's gonna go ahead and roll us out for this episode. Again, Ash, I want to go ahead and thank you for coming uh, into this episode. This is another episode where we ended off topic. We did. <laughs> I, but you know I what? tend I think to have that effect. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. I think that's part of our chart. <laughs> uh, but, of course, go ahead. I mean, anybody who's listened uh, to you as a guest on an episode might know where you're at. But this is, of course, still the opportunity. We will always have you mention everything that you do as often as possible because we love having you here. Plug and your we want to make sure that people want to be able to listen to you on all of your, your stuff as well. Yeah, so if you want to hear me talk about Star Wars for more, uh, some more, you can go check out the Skyhoppers podcast, which is available on pretty much every podcast provider, as well as butwhythopodcast.com. Um, and I also have a show called, uh, well, it's not, I had a show called Competition of Chairs. It was a mini-series that we just wrapped up this last week, actually. Um, but you can find all of that if you want to go back and listen to it. Um, and then we have a new project coming out called Have You Seen That?, uh, which is also a part of the But Why Though uh, podcast community, um, where each of us, me and my my co-host Lizzie, one of us takes something that the other person hasn't seen and introduces it to the other person, and they're all bad. Some of them are good. Some of the ideas are good. But we're starting off with Jupiter Ascending, if it gives you any indication God. of what direction this show is going in. Um, Why do so you have to be so mean? <laughs> yeah, it, actually, it's not called Have You Seen That. That was the name that we couldn't use. It's called Why Am I Watching This? <laughs> I still like the, how on brand that is with But Why Though the, the, as a community, though. So you have But Why Though, Did You Have To, and now you have your podcast. Have you seen this? Have you seen or this? Or why am I watching this? Or why, why am I watching exactly. this? That's, ba- that's pretty much where you can find me. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're listening to us on one of our many different podcast providers, whether it be Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or just about any place else you could find a podcast... We also have a YouTube channel that has a lot of great content on there as well. As proud members of the But Why Though podcast community, you can head over to their site to check out our latest episodes along with a lot of the other great podcasts that are featured. And as always, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the other social media listed down below. Join us over on Discord, where you can chat about Star Wars technology with the Ready Comics Roll crew and other rollers. Be sure to follow us over on Twitch for random live streams throughout the week. And if you'd like to help us fund our own personal Death Star, head on over to our Patreon page and become a supporter today.